Thank you, Brother Jamie. Thank you for good music and a good mix. I, uh, I don't know if you recall your words to me when I first asked you to do the music. He said, I will do it under one condition, and that is that we actually have a blended worship because I want my kids to grow up hearing the hymns of God as well as the praise songs. And I think that's, uh, that's an awesome statement that still holds true. Appreciate you, Jamie, so much for what you do. want to try to preach to you tonight, and I emphasize the try. Uh, I don't assume anything. But I've asked God to give me a message for you for this time. And I believe that God hears and answers prayer, don't you all? If that's the case, then uh, I think he's going to help me preach. And I also know that if he doesn't help me preach, you're going to get pretty bored before we're done. Uh, it's, it's, this is his thing. It's not the preacher's. I appreciate his call to do it, but I understand where the power and authority comes from in which to do it. The title of the message is The Premise of His Presence. I don't think you could have picked better songs, Brother Jamie. They fit perfectly what I want to say tonight. There are times in all of our lives when what we know as life is just overwhelming. You ever been there? When life just really got right where you are at and it just seems like the next breath might be my last. This is, I'm pressed down. Well, folks, you're not by yourself that if that has happened to you. Because it's at such times when many people, if not most people, feel alone. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what church you went to, what church you grew up in. Your relationship with God is what matters. And honesty goes a long, long way in everything. And so it's, it's not shameful to say that there's times that you have felt alone. You say, well, Brother John, preachers ought not talk that way. Well, maybe that's because some of you have never been a preacher. And you don't understand that uh, they put on their clothes just like you put yours on. And they have the same problems, the same issues. Many people, however, do not doubt the existence of God when they're overwhelmed by their present conditions. And I hope that we're in the majority, that when things bear down on us, I'd hope to think that the most of us would be resolved and stand fast and not let that wear us down. But in, instead, some people change their belief about God always being present. In other words, they begin to think that God has left them. That somehow I can't see them where they are. And it's my purpose tonight to let you know scripturally that God has never abandoned any of his children, never will. Regardless of the conditions that you may be in right now, God has not gone vacation. He is still on his throne. He still is interested in you. And so tonight we're going to use for a text Matthew 28, verse 16 down through verse 20. 
You're going to recognize this because it's the Great Commission. But here's what it says. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. How much power? All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, he says, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. Always and always. He's always there. Even to the end of the age or the end of the world in King James. He's never going to leave. He's still with you tonight. Modern translations do uh, substitute the word age there in the place of, of world. In either case, the meaning isn't changed. See, Jesus wanted the disciples to know that he was able to transcend completely anything. Even the natural laws of time and space. And would be everywhere with everyone at the same time. God is that kind of God. When we think about his presence sometimes, even those of us who have been Christians for a long time, get this different image in our mind about where he takes up his abode. And we can get to thinking that we've got a little spot inside us and he crawls inside there and he's captured there and that's where he emits his power from. But I got news for you and I'll show you tonight in the Bible that God is everywhere at the same time. He is all power. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He is omnipresent. He's every place at the same time. He can do anything. There's nothing God cannot do. And he will not be encapsulated by your mind. I want to talk to you about the premise of his presence, who he is, what he is. A lot of believing Christians don't fully understand the premise of his presence. And if there was ever a time that such people would feel abandoned, it's right now. Look around you tonight. A perfect storm has come together. And it's causing a lot of people to question God's presence. Where is God? When there's a crazy madman running around the, the world uh, who's, who's ready to kill children and women and, 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 and bomb kindergartens and all sorts of things like that, where's God during this time? Listen, God has not abdicated his throne. He knows what's going on. He is still all-powerful. You and I may not understand it, but he is here, hallelujah. He has not left us. He's still with us tonight. I wish I could get that through to you. Let me tell you what's happening. Hatred has been spread in our land to the point of infecting otherwise intelligent people. They're not thinking. It began in the hearts and the minds of those people that followed in the steps of Satan. He lusted for power, remember that? And he lost the heavenly battle altogether. But he has continued 
an earthly battle as time and conditions have permitted. And believe me, through our history, there have been many times when we have allowed Satan to work. He's used the wicked and evil dictators of this world to destroy hundreds of millions of souls. People like Hitler and Mao Tsung and Pol Pot. What names? Mussolini and so many others have been weapons of Satan's hatred. And they all have one thing in common. They were people who, was, who were infused with hatred. We're living in a society right now where the majority of the people have been infused with hatred. All you must do is go to Walmart to prove my point. We've changed. In two years, we've changed even more drastically. We're not as tolerant of each other as we once were. We've got people on one news cycle saying these folks are to blame and, and the other side says these folks are to blame. But let me tell you who's to blame. It's the devil. Always has been, always will be. But God is still on his throne. You still with me? We're not exempt from all this today. Demonic forces are still present. I may mention somebody here that some of you have not heard of. I, I, I can't imagine that because if you've kept up at all, you would know that there's a, another maniac out there named George Soros. And you know what his, his whole purpose in life is? To destroy the United States of America, to make it a socialist country. There's no doubt. That, that, that's not speculation on my part. That's pure fact. There's a money trail. We know who puts people in power who want to destroy us. Those who want to turn criminals loose instead of making them pay a price. All of that is controlled by Satan himself. And it's not just in California and Oregon and Washington and those places. It's all over. Hatred is present. These folks are folks that have learned to control the minds and the actions of young people who have been indoctrinated into the society of hate. I might as well say this because you know what I believe? I believe truth is truth, don't you all? Amen. Swallow hard. Antifa and Black Lives Matter are a tool of Satan. You say, I don't believe you said that, Brother John. I can understand how it could be misunderstood. Antifa and Black Lives Matter are a tool of Satan. That means amen. You've forgotten, haven't you? Listen. Those folks feel empowered by burning down buildings, shooting at police officers, and they're no different than their predecessors who killed all the aforementioned dictators. It's all controlled by hate. With some ex exceptions, the modern church today has succumbed to the attempt to silence any opposition they might have provided. There is a hope tonight for this country. 
And it's not in the White House. It's not in who the senators are. The only hope for this country is the church finally will wake up and say our God is a present God. He's not died and gone to heaven. He is present here right now. And he's still able to do anything he ever did before. And we got to put our faith and our trust in him instead of other things. Now there's some other factors that compound all these things, we, these circumstances that we find ourselves in. But none of them compare to the ignorance about his presence. I've been to some church services where all you needed was a, an organ and somebody to play a funeral dirge. It was just like they said, God, it might as well have been singing God's dead. God's not dead, is he, Brother Jake? I checked on him today. He's still alive. I got news for you. He can still give you fuzzy caterpillars when you pray the right thing to him, amen? He is still alive for that reason I want you to know you are not alone. Regardless of what the world would tell you, you're not in this by yourself. There is a great God in heaven. In John chapter 14, 23, following it says this. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loves me not keeps not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Listen carefully. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and Bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace do I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I go to my father for my Father is greater than I. God's still here. Hallelujah. God is still here. See, God is a spirit. And a spirit cannot be captured in a little spot inside you. You say, well, uh, are you sure about that? You know, he, he, he floods our soul. And yes, he does. But friend, that's not where you find God. Every time you take a breath, you found God. See, God permeates everything around us. He is everything to us. We can't do anything without him. He is God. He is present. Amen. I don't know how long I'm going to have to preach to you tonight to get you to believe me. But that's the premise of his promise. It says in, in 423 of John, but the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now I'm going to say something to make some of you upset probably. It's all right because I, I, I already know, Jake, Jake's already said that they're going to pay me something.
Baptists have a problem. Someone has gotten their underwear and starched it. I see lots of places. And I see some that if you ever raise your hand, it better be for permission to go to the bathroom. And if you decided that you got a little happy and wanted to say hallelujah, it looked strange at you. You might be like a church in Benton, Illinois, where I saw where the deacons went to visit a man who did nothing but stand up and raise his hands and shout, glory be to God. And told him they didn't have that kind of stuff in that church and didn't want it. You hear me? Starchy. You know why people are starchy, Jake? Because they think that to be expressive, to love Jesus, to feel his presence, is somehow not baptistic. Can I help you with something else? Your abode in heaven will not have Baptist written over the door. There's going to be some Pentecostals up there. Huh? It's, heaven's glory is going to be made up of folks from every stripe <laughs> and every color and almost every denomination. Because you see what it depends on is this, accepting him and letting him permeate who they are. And when that happens, you won't have to look around to see if it's okay for you to say hallelujah. Amen. You won't have to be worrying about that. You say, well, Brother John, every church is different. Yeah, some are more starchy. <laughs> Amen. I've seen some Baptists that walked into church like this. <laughs> it's pretty starchy. Can't get free. Amen. Let me tell you when you get free. You get free when you realize that Jesus, the Son of God, died and sent his spirit here so that you could feel God every minute of every day. All you got to do is look for him. Amen. All you got to do is accept it. Anybody here ever feel Jesus? And that's something, boy, I tell you what. Let me tell you, I can explain it like this. It's a fuzzy caterpillar feeling. Now, if you've been here a long time, you've heard this before. But you know what? I like it so well, I like telling it over and over and over again. It's like when you are, you, you ever have a caterpillar on you? You know what it's like to have all them little legs crawling on you all at the same time? You know, one of those kind of things. But see, it, when, when you really feel Jesus, every once in a while it'll feel like that caterpillar went up your right pant leg. Got just beyond those starchy shorts and made about three laps. And went down the other leg. And by the time it gets all the way to the bottom of that other leg, it's woo glory be to God. That's a good feeling, amen? It's woo that makes you feel like that all over the place. You know whenever you're letting God be God in your life and you're not worried about what the world says, but instead you just want his presence. Well, he's here. Hallelujah. 
He's here. Amen. Right now, he's in this place. Right now, he's in your hearts. He's surrounding your humanity. He's in you, on you, all over you. If you just realize he's there, there's no telling how much power that the one who is all power would transmit to you. You don't want to, you, do you really want to know why we're powerless? Because we want to be too proper. <laughs> what is proper? I, you know what I think? I think if some modern day Baptist had been there when those little fish and the biscuits fed the 5,000, they would have said, wow, I didn't know McDonald's delivered. You know what? If you really believe that God is able to do anything above and beyond what you might think or ask, and you realize that his presence is really surrounding everything that is you all of the time, again, on you, in you, all around you, guiding you, helping you, when you realize that and you get free, you put those shorts back in the washer and wash the starch out, and start looking for God and his presence. Amen? Now, I hope that wasn't too crass, Brother Jake, but you already said you was going to pay me. Listen about his existence. You know the word omnipresent, right? Every day when Jake goes to the Lord and prays, there are people all around this world and in this church that are praying to God at the same time. Some people have a little confusion about how in the world can God collect all that and hear it and, and, and somehow collect it and use it. But you see, God is not in that one spot. God is everywhere at the same time. So God can hear everything at the same time. You can't hide from him. You can't outrun him. You can't overpower him. But you can ignore him. Be careful that you don't ignore his presence. See, he's too much God for you to ever visualize or trivialize. However you see him right now, he's too small. You listening to me? You cannot visualize or even imagine the greatness of God. Wow, what a God that we do serve. He's not too small to see. He's too big to see. Are you listening to me? People say, where's God? He's too small, I can't see him anymore. No, 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 no. He's so big, you can't realize he's everywhere at the same time. That's that word, omnipresent. But God is also ethereal. He is invisible to us sometimes, but you breathe in his invisibility. Never limit God to some small God cell that occupies a section of your soul. He is every existing particle of what we know about and those that we yet know nothing about. Completely, God permeates through his presence. Second thing I want you to hear tonight, you say, how many of these are there? I can tell it by the look on your face. Don't you worry about it. 
you are not forsaken. Look, look around you tonight at the world and the way that they're acting. They're, they're, they're acting wrong. God has not forsaken you. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men will do unto me. Amen? Now that's freedom. You may have messed up your life tonight. I don't know all your stories. But you haven't messed up his existence. God's still there. And your mess-ups will never affect his presence, nor his promise. See, the fact that you can't feel him sometimes does not mean that he has been expelled from your presence. You cannot get rid of him. Are you listening to me? God is still with you. Even when the world is pressing in on you. If you watch the news tonight, it would be easy to see why some folks are so discouraged right now. You know, a month ago, some of us couldn't have found Ukraine on the map. And right now, all we can think about is the impending World War III that everybody tells us is about to happen. Can I help you with something? There's never been a battle fought that God wasn't on the battlefield. <laughs> and that idiot over there that's called Putin, who thinks that somehow he can push a button and undo what God wants to do, is crazier than he looks. Amen? Because God is not going to be defeated by some madman who, who's got charge of some nuclear weapons. I believe God could stop those things in midair. I believe he can rain them back down on their heads. God can do anything. Don't you be worried about the fact that uh, it seems that you're forsaken. Because that's just not the way it is. The fact that you can't feel him does not mean he's not there. Now listen. God's with you. Even when the world pressing in on you, listen, I, I reiterate for this reason. There has never been an enemy he cannot conquer for you. Whatever's coming against you in your life right now, God is able to conquer that, regardless of what it is. And there's never been a promise that he's made to you that he does not intend to keep. And you may not see what he's doing. But he's doing it anyway. Are you listening to me? He's, he's still working. We sing a song at church sometimes that he's still working, he's still working on me. I got news for you, friend. He's still working. Even when you can't see it, he's still working. Amen. Even if you can't feel it, he's still working. And you get all down in the mouth and say, oh, woe is us and, and what are we going to do? And all you got to do is just hold still for a minute and say, God, show me your presence because he's still working, church. He hadn't given up. Third, and for your information, there's four. You are not in control. You say, well, that goes without saying, doesn't it, Brother John? No. All this anxiety that everybody has, you know where it comes from? It comes from somehow believing that you're in control. 
Our God's a sovereign God. Nothing's going to happen that he does not allow to happen. Amen? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you really believe that the God that I've been describing to you would let you control the combined conditions of this world? Absolutely not. And you're no different than any other carbon life form, friend. God is going to be in control. Whether you like it or whether you don't, God is always in control. And when you let your feelings control your mood and your actions, your very life sometimes, that's a sign that you've forgotten who's in control. The next time you feel really angered at something, stop, take a deep breath, and remember God's in control. The next time you look at the bills when they come in and say, how are we going to pay these? All you've got to do is take a deep breath and say, God, show us who's in control. If you're one of his children, his promises are true. You've got the premise of his presence, but you've also got his promise. Amen? He will be there for you no matter what's going on. Don't you let, let anybody tell you, especially the devil, that you need to be in control. If you messed it up, what makes you think you're going to fix it? God's the fixer. God will let you make choices because he knows everything. But he's always one step ahead of you. Let me show you how. He truly can make all things work together for good. What? How many things? All. What does all mean? All, everything, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, all. That's a good word they put there. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints. Thank you, Jesus. According to the will of God. Huh. Watch this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. How many of you are saved tonight? Are you really saved? Amen. So everything. God can make that work together for good to you who are the called according to his purpose. We're all called to a lot of things, but one thing we're called to is to keep our faith strong that he is able. Amen? We're not, but he is. And we ought to all learn to relax and let him decide our outcome. It may not be what you've envisioned, but God doesn't always work on your timetable or your schedule and it really sometimes is thinks some of the things that we decide to do on our own are ridiculous. So if he turns you around and, and causes some things to happen in your life where you say, oh, woe is me, this is not what I had in mind, relax, sugar booger. Amen. Things are going to get better when God's in control. Amen. Let God do the driving. I was fishing with an unnamed person this morning and they were telling me about this trolling motor that they have. And you, evidently there's some satellites up there and you push the right button 
And that thing will just keep moving you to exactly where you were when you pushed the button. It just comes on and moves you up or moves you over or whatever. I'll leave a farmer unnamed. Told me the other day that he had a machine that you go out in the field and you push a button and the combine just goes perfectly straight until you touch the wheel. <laughs> Whoa, thank you, Donnie. <laughs> when you take control, the godly positioning satellite stops right then and there. You've got control instead of God. Let God have the wheel. Let God take charge. And take my advice. If you buy a Tesla, don't go down the highway at 65 depending on that stupid automobile. You may meet me. Amen? Just thought I'd throw that in there. Fourth. fourth. You all ready for four? Somebody said last night, Brother John, you don't preach as long as you used to. Well, I've lived a lot longer than I ought to. Amen? You slow down after so many years. Some of you in this room know that right now. Amen? Some of you young people said, amen, you don't have a clue. <laughs> Bless your hearts, you don't have a clue just yet, but I love you in Jesus. You are not to fear. Let me say it again. If you believe that God's present, it is sinful to fear. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Friend, that's plain right there. No fear. Fear is a liar. Christians ought not be fearful. Have you ever wondered why Christians who say they believe so much that there's a sweet God in heaven waiting on them, they've got a mansion built up there, their name is written there and it's on their forehead and they just can't wait to see Jesus and then they get sick. Spend every dime they ever had, sell the farm, do whatever they have to to get well. That might be all right for young folks. Folks, I don't know. But let me tell you about old codgers. <laughs> Even so, Lord, come quickly. Amen? Amen? Now, some of you young folks, listen to me. You don't know this yet. So I'll help you. Right now, when we say aches and pains, you have no clue what we're talking about. You're saying, what? An ache? What's an ache? As you get older, you find out. You think success is... Climbing the ladder. Being able to do many things. Real success is when you put your right leg through the right hole in your underwear and don't fall down. <laughs> That's success, neighbor. Amen? But you know why it's hard to do that without falling down? Because when you get older, you feel like you're all put together in pieces. Amen? This is the way you get out of bed. You throw one leg out. Let it feel the floor for just a minute. Throw the other leg out. Let it feel a good, good grip, right? 
And then when you stand up and put your teeth in, amen, find your glasses. Maybe find your hearing aid. When you get all the parts put back on and you got a good grip on life, you take one real tender step and you realize, I'm old. That hurt. Amen. <laughs> Any old people in the room right now, show these young people that, you, that you're alive. Any of you old people in this room can say amen right now? Amen. amen. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Kids, see, I ain't lying to you. Ask your grandparents. You know what they'll say? Yeah. 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 You betcha. Don't fear it. There's a better place than this. And it's heaven. Sweet, sweet heaven. It's a place where you spend eternity without any pain or sickness or sorrow or sadness. There's no politics. Amen. There's not even any seed ticks. No ticks. No mosquitoes. Amen. No snakes. No taxes. <laughs> Amen. Sweet place. I tell you what, when you really realize that God is real, you have a longing to go see him and a lot less longing to stay here. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and end your life. Uh-uh. Live your life, but live it for Jesus. And you'll get to a time someday when what you feel inside is even so, Lord, come quickly. Right now would be great. <laughs> I'd love to leap out of here just right now into heaven. Now you all would do whatever you want to with this. Amen? <laughs> Dig a big hole, I can tell you that for sure, but do what you want to. Just let me go to Jesus. See, no matter what it feels like, don't be afraid. If they tell you some point in your life you're sick, <laughs> get one of those. Come on. God's not going to let anything happen to me that he hasn't designed. It's okay to happen to me. Amen? They're not believing me. How about you all? See, what doesn't kill you, the song says, makes you stronger? I don't know if that's still true or not. But I can tell you this. What you go through does make you stronger. When you, when, when, you, when you start feeling a little bit of the flames of fire right here, it'll make you stronger. When you go through some persecution, it'll make you stronger. Don't fear it. God's bigger than any problem you can or cannot see. And he's bigger than any present hurt you have suffered. I know some folks right now, I won't mention names, that are really hurt going through something in their lives that it just seems like everything has ended. But friend, they ought not fear. And not fear if they believe that God's got things. There's an old song that says, He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. World. Do you believe that? That's the premise 
of his presence. Let me conclude like this tonight. God is not watching you in this situation. He's in this situation with you. He's not looking down right now at, at you and how you're handling all this stuff that's going on. He's in it with you. He is the fourth man in the fire. No matter what the devil designs and you get into it, there's a fireman in there. There's an appetite suppressor in there. Ask the lions. Just lose your appetite. Not hungry anymore. He was the wind that parted the sea. And he never has abdicated his throne and never will. I'm closed with a passage of scripture. Can you listen to one more passage of scripture? All right. Psalm chapter 27. You recognize the words, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war would rise against me, in this will I will be confident. Said that wrong. In this will I be confident. Read and you'll be better off, old man. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I want to focus briefly on that last line, to inquire at his temple. The old commentator said there's a double meaning there. One is to worship him now, here in the here and now, and you come and get on your knees before him, and you worship him here in this temple. Another says, this is the temple here he's talking about. But I believe it's broader than that. I believe it includes the day when you stand before God and realize that he's always been present. He's never left you nor forsaken you. He's always been here. There would be no need for revival, Brother Jake, if we believed in the premise of his presence. If we really believe that he's here, hallelujah. He's here, amen. Churches would be a, a, not just alive, they would be so full you couldn't get a seat in one of them. You say, well, that's just impossible. How many of you have ever heard of Charles Haddon Spurgeon? Some of you have, amen. One of the great preachers of the past, a few hundred years ago in fact. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was the pastor of the, the big tabernacle in London, England. It was not known for its rampant spirituality at the time. But Charles Haddon Spurgeon preached the word true. Didn't matter if people liked it or not, he'd said it the way it was. 
And folks kept coming. And the time came when it was so full. So many people being saved that that huge big tabernacle that held thousands of people was reserved for lost only. Charles Haddon Spurgeon told all of his members, stay home. We need the seats for the lost. Fact check it. Let me help you with something. He's the same God tonight as he was then. Churches all over America are closing their doors. They blame it on the pandemic, but let me tell you what it is. We've lost faith in God, church. God is still able. You know what? It would be so neat if God would start saving souls to so many that Brother Jake would be wrinkled. Amen? He's not as, well, got a few wrinkles now, but uh, we fed him pretty good down Missouri. Did y'all notice that we sent him back to you a little bit better, a little bit more round? His ties fit better. Amen. Wouldn't it be something, Brother Jake, that, that every time you got in that water, you, you, you'd, you'd step in saying, oh, man, I got to get some skin conditioner. Amen. This is just going on and on and on and on. And you say, that's ridiculous. No, it's not. That would be God. God can still do that. A youth group could fill this building. See, God can do anything. I preached a few years ago in a church in Africa, and 7,000 people in the auditorium, and I thought that was awesome, and it was, by the way. Largest crowd I ever preached to. But in that auditorium wasn't the whole story. It looked like a big, long circus tent was out on the lawn. And that was a youth, 3,000 strong in a Reformed church. And if you don't know what that is, that is extra starch. <laughs> 3,000 kids. Think about that. God can do anything. What we have to do is realize he's here and now. And if you really want revival, church, the way you get it is you get on your face and say, Lord, I know you're here. I'm not in doubt. Go with me. Show me. And on the way, Lord, help me to find a couple of caterpillars. Amen? Help me to feel your presence, to know that you're here. You say that, I don't believe in that feel in religion. That's because you probably ain't got no feeler. Amen? You say, boy, Brother John, I just don't know, think you ought to say things like that. Well, then you ought not be like that. I'm telling the truth. Let it loose. God's in you. And he's not some little God that's a little statue inside you. He's a God who is the universe. So church, if you want to see revival, get on your knees before him and begin to cry out to him in sincerity and truth. Say, God, regardless of what you do, we accept you and we trust you and we believe you're going to do it. Now there's times that you can carry on and on and on and I don't think that's always necessary. I think right now, you're ready for invitation. So would you stand to your feet right now? If you're lost, Brother Jake's going to be right down here. 
If you're not sure you would go to heaven if you died right now, this very moment, listen to me. You can leave here being saved. What you must do is what the Bible says you must do, and it does not mean that you have to know everything in the Bible. What it means is you have to step out in faith, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, repent of your sins. Amen? You, you've got to get saved, changed. But you can do that tonight. You can leave here a different person than you came in. But aside from that, that's the most important thing we can do tonight. Amen? Wouldn't it be awesome if somebody gets saved tonight? But listen, there's another factor here. Let's get on our faces and ask God. Sin revival. Let it begin here, but spread it out. Let it go all over the area. Let it be so strong that you'll have to look for somebody to witness to. There's so many people saved. It can happen. Would you right now bow your heads and we're going to pray just shortly and then Brother Jamie's going to lead us. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to do what only you can do. I'm a man, obviously, who cannot do anything but speak words. And Father, sometimes those are not clear. They're not what I think they ought to be. But I know you, God, you're able to take those words and change them even though they've already entered into the ears and the minds of the people who have listened tonight. You can make them hear what you want them to hear. So I beg you in this invitation, Father, that you would cause this church to find their knees, to cry out to you, to say, Lord, we really do want revival, not just a meeting, not because there's some old man yelling in the pulpit, but because we need revival in our land and in our heart and in our church. Please, Lord, let it be for Jesus' sake. Amen.